Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode two of season two of the Stuff We Love Podcast. On this episode, I will talk about my recent trip to Italy, and Scott and I will review the new Taylor Swift album, Lover. As always, we'll conclude the episode with our very popular Stuff We Love segment. Let's meet the hosts. I'm Joe. I'm Scott, and you're listening to the Stuff We Love Podcast. The Stuff We Love Podcast is sponsored by Autoslash. Joe, when you go on trips, you rent cars pretty frequently, right? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. And what for you is the most frustrating part of the car rental experience? Honestly, it's searching uh, online to try to find the best price out of all the different car rental places because I'm not married to any of them. That's something I totally agree with. It seems like every time I go online to rent a car for an upcoming trip, I feel like I'm always paying a ton of money. Like there's no inexpensive way to do it. This is what makes Autoslash so amazing. What they do is find you the cheapest car rental available for your trip. And the way they do it is one of two ways. One, when it's time to rent your car, you can go onto their website, www.autoslash.com, enter information about your upcoming trip, and also enter rewards programs you belong to, like credit card programs and frequent flyer clubs and all that stuff. And then they will email you a few minutes later with good rental rates for that trip. Also, if you've already booked your trip, what you can do is go to their website, enter your car rental information, and they will actually contact you with better deals that are available. And even after you book it, they keep on checking the rates. So as your trip gets closer, if a lower rate is available, they contact you. And I could tell you from my summer trip this year to Florida, I saved over $200 using Autoslash. That's awesome, actually. That's great. They've been featured in major publications like Condé Nast Traveler and the New York Times. They've been featured on the Today Show. And I know several of our listeners have used them in response to hearing their advertisements on the podcast, and all of them have saved money. So I encourage you to visit www.autoslash.com and learn how you can save money on your upcoming car rental. So Joe, here we are. It's the last Sorry. night of summer 2019. Fall begins officially tomorrow. I'm both happy and sad about that, actually. Tell me, tell me why. Well, you know, you like to have summer last, a lot, last as long as possible, people... You go out, you do things outside, it's fun. But I will say that fall is my absolute favorite season, so I'm ready for fall to come. Um, you have Halloween, Thanksgiving, and then into the holidays. It's just, it's just the best. So let me ask you a question. When somebody says to you fall, the season fall, what is the first image that comes to your mind? Is it a pumpkin? Is it leaves? Is it something related to Thanksgiving? It's more related to Halloween for me. Yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, like a, that black-orange color scheme and uh, pumpkins, haunted houses, and those things. I think that's like the real uh, intro to fall. Like that, you know, from now until then, it's, right. uh, it's that. And then you move into Thanksgiving and then to Christmas. It's uh, the, the holiday season out there. It's a great time of year. And, you know, when I was in Disney World over the summer, right at the end of my trip, which was in mid-August, they had the first Halloween party at the Magic Kingdom. And... <laughs> It just didn't feel like Halloween to me. It still felt like summer because it's the middle of August. Now that fall is officially going to be on the calendar, there's no denying it is Halloween season. And I'm very excited this year. That's like going into a department store and seeing holiday decorations now for uh, December. But I totally Holidays get 2020. it. <laughs> I totally get it. It's, uh, it's awesome. I'm, very, I'm looking forward to this, uh, this holiday season this year. And, uh, you know, we'll start another year after that. Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of good stuff to talk about here on the podcast. Yeah, it's going to be great. Now, Joe, I wanted to begin this episode by asking you some questions about your recent trip to Italy. So first thing I wanted to ask you is where did you go in Italy? Right. So as you know, Scott, I recently went uh, to Italy. I only went to northern Italy. I went to two regions up there. We flew into Venice. We then drove up to a region called Trentino Alto Adige mm -hmm. and then over to another re region called South Tyrol. And these two regions are in the Dolomites, which is a mountain range. It's part of the Alps, the, the, you know, the Swiss Alps, and then it goes into the Italian Alps and, and Austrian Alps. It's right on the border of Italy and Austria. Mm -hmm. And we went to the mountains. We did a lot of hiking, you know, looked at scenery and, and all that. So we were only up there. The main city in the area is a city called Bolzano, which is the biggest city. There's also some other cities like Murano. Um, Cortina and towns like that. So we we went to these villages and and uh, stayed up in the mountains. It was in the the Italian Alps. It was awesome. And how many days of hiking did you take part in all together? Well, we were there for nine days, and we probably hiked on five to six of those days because mm -hmm. there were some travel days in between. We walked around some of the cities as a couple days, 
um, just to see what they look like up there. Uh, but for the most part, we were on a hiking trip, so it was good. The cities near where you were and, and that you walked through, what's the average population like? Are they? Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're, they're much smaller than the big cities in Italy like Rome, Venice, and Florence, for example. But are, are they just a couple thousand, 10,000, 20? Well, yeah. I mean, Venice is actually not a very big city. There's only mm-hmm. about 50,000 people actually in Venice. So I would say Bolzano was probably, you know, I, I'd say, I don't know, maybe even 100,000 people. 100,000, Okay. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. It's 106,000 people there. Wow, more so than I would guess. have thought. Uh, same. But a town like Murano in Italy, which is about a half an hour from Bolzano, but it's still like one of the main cities in the area, it's probably only about forty or 45,000 people. Mm-hmm. Those were like the two uh, of the bigger areas that we went to. We went through a city called Ordize, which was on the way to Bolzano from Cortina. Interesting fact about Cortina, that's another small city, but they had the Olympics in the 50s there, the Winter Olympics, and there's signs all over the town. They're trying to get it again in 2026. That's interesting. Um, so that could be interesting, and then if that happens, obviously, you'll be hearing a lot more about that region right? Uh, when that time comes. But yeah, they're, they're, they're decent-sized towns. Uh, we, you know, For us, we would call them a town. For them, it's a city. It was, uh, it, it was just very cool to see these different areas of Italy where a lot of people don't even know exist even especially for us uh, in the United States. Joe, you mentioned that it's near the Austrian border. Do you know on your hikes, were you actually able to see into Austria? There were some, I could, I could certainly see into Austria. And, you know, on some of the hikes, there's like signs that show what you're looking at and what's past there um, on the signs. So yeah, you can see the Austrian Alps and some of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I I could have, you could drive into Austria. It's not that far. Um, one of the closer airports actually is Munich, Germany. We almost flew into there and then traveled down. It just didn't happen with the flight schedule. So um, it's really, it's maybe a two hour drive from Germany, which is in probably a one hour drive to Austria from there. When you go hiking anywhere in Europe or elsewhere in the United States, but at a place you have to fly to, does it make traveling there more difficult in terms of the luggage you have to bring? Or is yeah. it, it, just tell us a little bit about that. It is a lot harder uh, to pack for those trips because, for example, we were away for nine days. When we checked the weather, the first four days of our trip, it snowed and rained, and it wasn't obviously what we had hoped for. So you had to bring clothes for that. Then you bring hiking clothes, and then also just regular clothes, if you like a pair of jeans or something to walk around, and then clothes for dinner at night. So the suitcases were totally packed. I was actually two pounds over. I had to do one of those things in the airport where you're taking clothes that from one to the other. It was, I, I've uh, had to do that once. It was not, not good. That's typical for me, but, uh, it happened so, to me yeah. when I was returning from a conference and I ended up throwing out a lot of the stuff I got at the conference in the garbage at the airport, just so my luggage would not get charged. I thought about it. Let's leave it at that. But, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. So it does, you do have to take that into account when you pack, right. but it is, it is what it is. How does hiking in Italy compare to the hiking that you've done here in the United States at the national parks? Some listeners of the show will, will know my, from my other trip reports that I almost always go to national parks on my vacations. So I'm very used to the hiking in national parks. Something that actually the, the big thing that is different between hiking, say, in Italy um, versus the national parks was you're still in a national park in Italy, but you could be hiking and you come across a restaurant or uh, on the top of a mountain somewhere. There are these little refugios, these ref, you know, these uh, little houses where you can stay, you can hike. You can eat a, a meal there, and then you hike down, and then there's cities, so you can hike from city to city. In the national park, it's very, it's an enclosed area, and there's nothing. There's mm-hmm. no services except that maybe the hotel in the park, if there is one. Uh, so that was a little bit different. So you don't, you know, when I hike, I carry a lot of water with me, which is heavy. Here, if you didn't want to do that, you could have hiked from hut to hut, buying water along the way, or some people were buying beer and eating plates of spaghetti and all this other stuff. It was very strange to me, but it was very cool to see. When you go hiking here in the States, do you bring food? Do you bring sandwiches or anything like that? For us, we don't do that. We, we load up our backpack with water, right. which, you know, a lot of water. And then we bring, you know, power bars during the day or something like that. And uh, we usually have a big breakfast and a big dinner because you're hiking it off. Right, of course. Very that's interesting. Just, that's just me. I mean, a lot of people do different things. You'll always see people with sandwiches, bringing them, taking them out of their backpack. You'll see people doing nothing. It was odd to me. There was a lot of people hiking in jeans in Italy, which wow. is, to me, I, I find that impossible. 
with no water, no backpack, and they were doing the same thing. I, you know, I would have died. So, were they skinny jeans that stuck to the legs? It, some of them were. I mean, you yeah. are like I said, you're very close to Germany, which I thought was also interesting that um, that was the number one language there. Mm-hmm. Everything, all the signs were in German. People talked to you in German, like they expected you to know German, not even Italian, much less English. Right. Um, which was it was cool because it looked if you looked around, you could have been in Germany up there. Did you see any other Americans on your trip? Um, at some of the hotels we went to, there were some Americans there. Not a lot. I would say maybe 10% of the people were American. That's it. And, and Joe, something else I wanted to ask you about your Italy trip. Whenever I know anyone that goes to Italy, they always talk about how amazing the food is. Uh, I'm just curious. Can you tell us about some of your more memorable meals from the trip? I, I do a ton of research on my trips. I look at the restaurants. I plan it out. I make reservations. I didn't exactly do that this time. Uh, at the hotels, because you're, these are hiking hotels, most of them provided the food for you. And I was a little leery about that. But when we got to the hotels, they the meals were unbelievable. They were all like six-course dinners, like dinners that would cost hundreds of dollars in America, mm-hmm. uh, just included in there. So there was one hotel we stayed at called Alpina Dolomites, and that was in an area called the Alpe de Suisse, uh, which is a national park in Italy. And it's actually the highest mountain plateau or, or something like that or in the area. The restaurant they had there was just absolutely unbelievable. Every meal was a five to six course meal, you know, lasted two hours at night, which was fine because you were hiking all day and you were working it off. Those meals were the best. Right. Um, we did eat in a couple of restaurants when we were there. The food was interesting. It, it had a, a German twist to it. So it was, I don't want to call it a German twist. The, the area that you're in, South Tyrol, is very... Um, proud of what they are so they have their own food their own region and all the meals were about that so there were bavarian pretzels around and uh you know that kind of thing it was Mm -hmm. great and do most people have wine there with their meals oh yeah everybody has wine and you 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 mentioned was that included in your hotel price the wine was not included all the food was right which to me was a great deal breakfast included too breakfast is always included absolutely okay Honestly, the breakfasts were unbelievable. We stayed in a hotel called the Rosa Alpina, and the the breakfast buffet you it was it was enormous. Anything you could want, and then there was a guy there cooking eggs or whatever nice. as well. And it was all included in the hotel, but in the hotel price, it was just the they were unbelievable breakfasts. I I still talk about that breakfast. Wow, yeah, it was great. So it sounds like you had a tremendous time on your trip. Yeah, it was a great trip. I, I, I want to go back. As soon as we left, I said, we need to go back. Right. Mostly because it snowed and I missed half of it. But right. other than well, that, you know. Well, it's, uh, it does sound like a special trip, and I'm glad you had a wonderful time. Uh, if any of our listeners are interested in learning more about Joe's hiking experiences, just write to us at the podcast, uh, stuffwelovepodcast.gmail.com, and Joe will be happy to answer any questions. Always happy to talk about travel. We love travel here. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about it literally every day. <laughs> So we're now going to turn to something completely different here on the podcast. We're going to be reviewing Taylor Swift's most recent album called Lover. Uh, The album Lover was released on August 23rd of this year. Uh, This was a highly anticipated album coming off the heels of Taylor's previous album, Reputation, which led into the Reputation Stadium Tour, which I believe, speaking from memory, was the most successful tour in 2018. That is true. Uh, Before we get into the album, Joe, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, your being a fan of Taylor Swift and uh, how you got into her music. And then I'll tell everybody the same for me. Sure. So anyone who knows me and you, Scott, knows that we are huge fans of Taylor Swift. I I would say she's certainly my favorite uh, contemporary artist right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've been listening to her for years and years. I don't even remember how I got into her. I think I just started listening to it one day and probably during the Speak Now. And actually even the, the um, album before that. But I would say really in the Speak Now era, we'll call it, because that's what they call Taylor Swift's albums. Um, in the Speak Now era, I really got into her. I was starting to listen to all these tracks. And uh, it kept up because I, in my, you know, I just think she's great. So uh, her music is awesome. She plays, you know, she writes and plays and, and does everything that she should, in my opinion, as to be a successful musician. So I think she's awesome. Do you ever get people saying to you, hey, Joe, you know, you're Van Halen's your favorite artist of all time. You listen to heavy metal, you listen to R&B. How could you listen to Taylor Swift? Do you ever get that? 
I get that all the time. And that what you just said is absolutely true. Van Halen's my favorite artist. And I listen to every genre of music. It doesn't matter what it is, uh, which is just what I tell people. You know, I, I'm not I'm not embarrassed to be a Taylor Swift fan. I really I think it's great that I like her as well as other genres and other bands and everything like that. I mean, I can say the same for you know, your favorite band is the Beatles, Scott, but it's different than Taylor Swift, but you still love Taylor Swift. Absolutely. It's just, who cares? It is what it is. Yeah, uh, it's it's something I completely agree with there, Joe. Uh, for me, I, I don't remember exactly when I got into Taylor Swift. I do have a memory of being out with my brother one afternoon, and he ran into a store, and I was sitting in the car listening to the radio, and I guess it was Teardrops on My Guitar came on, and I thought to myself, well, wow, that's a pretty great that's song. Great. I don't remember when I bought the first Taylor Swift album I bought, but over the years, definitely got more into her music. Like you, Joe, I guess it was the Speak Now era, which in which I really became a much bigger fan. And uh, definitely I've had a lot of people say to me, Scott, you know, you listen to the Beatles and you listen to, and then they go through every artist that I listen to. Right. It's like I committed a crime by listening to Taylor Swift's music. <laughs> and uh, I say, look, the more music you listen to, the more enriched your life is. To me, it's all music, all to be enjoyed. It doesn't matter what someone's predominant fan base is and what others think of their music. If you enjoy it, you enjoy it and don't care what other people think. That's sort of the approach I take. And uh, with all that being said, Joe, when we, we're going to go through the tracks in a moment here, but with the uh, release of the album, Lover, what were your expectations? Did you have high hopes for the album? Did you think it was going to be just mediocre? What, did, what were your thoughts going into it? Well, as soon as it was announced uh, that her album would be coming out, I was, you know, I couldn't wait. I really wanted to hear everything that was on it. And I had very high hopes for it because the last album, Reputation, I really liked, even though it's not considered one of her best albums or like what she usually does. But I really liked it, and I wanted to see where she took the next album after that, which is the you know Lover. And then she put out the first single, which was Me. And then I, I wasn't sure what to think. I didn't know what the album would be like, although I still had hope because a lot of times her first songs are not the best songs mm -hmm. that she puts out. So my expectations were very high since the album was announced. I, I couldn't wait to hear it. How about you? It was exactly like you. It's interesting reading some of the reviews of Lover that came out from music journalists because in their reviews, it's almost like they're being critical of the Reputation album as if to say it represents a dark period in her life and it's just a darker, more industrial sounding album. But I was a fan of that album from the start. I really, <laughs> I really I'm with it. you. I loved Reputation. I, I don't understand. I, I agree. I don't know why people kind of put down reputation, especially when they're reviewing this. It's almost like they wanted they wanted to not even have happened where I thought it was a great album. I loved every track on it. So yeah. I, I don't know. And and you mentioned something about me being the first single from Lover and how, you know, we weren't necessarily crazy about it. So two albums ago was nineteen eighty nine. Shake It Off was the first single and that's a great song. Not yeah. even debatable. If you don't if you don't like that song, take a hike. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, then you have the Reputation album. And the first single was Look What You Made Me Do. Yep. And I like that song, but to me, it's kind of like the song me. It's not nearly as good as many other tracks on that album. So the albums, when they come out, I've always been very pleasantly surprised at just how much good stuff is on there outside of the first single that was released. Absolutely. And that's, I, that's why I didn't even flinch when people were slamming the song me. I, I just I, I figure that there are still going to be some great songs on the album. By right. the way, I did I actually listened to the Reputation album the other day. Mm -hmm. Look what you made me do is actually a great song. Like <laughs> once it once it comes on, I really like it. Like it's fun to listen to. Is it your favorite Taylor Swift song? <laughs> Number one. <laughs> no, but it's uh, it is actually a great song. I actually really like it. So let's get into, you know what, Joe, let me ask you this question. I know we had talked about this prior to going on the air, but we had mentioned that we would go track by track. Do you, do you want to actually change it up a little bit and just go yeah. through like highlights and maybe some low? Yeah, we don't have to go track by track. Yeah. So I'm going to begin by uh, asking you to talk about the song Cruel Summer. Okay. Which is track number two on the album. Uh, it was written along with the uh, musical artist St. Vincent. Uh, if for those of our listeners that may not know who St. Vincent is, if you watch the Grammys this year, she had an amazing duet with Dua Lipa, which was for me the highlight of the Grammys. Definitely. Um, Cruel Summer to me is pop perfection. It's just like the greatest pop song. It hits you right away. Tell, us, tell me about your thoughts on that song. So 
Cruel, I will say Cruel Summer is my favorite song on the album. Oh. It was my favorite song since I listened to the album the first time. And it hasn't dropped its place for me. So I really love that song. I think that should have been a single, or I hope it still is going to be a single by the time anyone listens to this. Mm-hmm. It is, to me, it's a great song. There's no bad part of it. It doesn't let up, and it doesn't make me feel like I'm waiting for something to happen that doesn't happen, like maybe some of the other songs. Mm-hmm. I really think that this song you know, has a beginning and an end, and the beat, and uh, just you know, e- even the way it's constructed, I really think it's a great song, and the lyrics are great. There's a there's a part there where she's yelling at at the uh, in, into the microphone. That's the best part of the song. Yes, I love it. It's a great song. My favorite song on the album, no question. So Joe, uh, as we're talking, I loaded up on my phone uh, the uh, lyrics to "Cruel Summer." By the way, on the new iOS, I don't know if you know this, but any song on Apple Music, they actually highlight the words. You could you could put on a song, turn on the lyrics, and it'll highlight the words as it goes through the song, which is actually really cool. Amazon Music does that. Really, you can actually touch the lyrics and it'll jump to that part of the song on Amazon music. I guess now I don't feel so cool having mentioned that. <laughs> so shut up. <laughs> Actually, um, I didn't, I didn't download the new iOS yet. I have to do that. It's pretty good. I, I do like it. I like the dark mode. It's very cool. Yeah. So uh, Joe, you mentioned when you talked there about cruel summer where she uh, screams and uh, the, the main part of the song kicks in. That happens to be probably my favorite moment on the entire lover album. It gets to, I guess what's considered the bridge musically. And right. she's singing along and she says, uh, you know, and I scream for whatever it's worth. I love you. Ain't that the worst thing mm-hmm. you ever heard? And then the instruments stop and her voice comes in kind of like in a distant way. She's not singing right into the microphone. And you hear her sing. He looks up grinning like a devil. And then it goes back into the chorus while the instruments kick in. It's like so, so good. Best part of the song. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it just makes the song. By the way, that's like, that to me... I never even heard that he looks up grinning like a devil. I've always heard he looks so pretty like a devil. It's <laughs> no, like it's, he Starbucks. looks up grinning like a devil. Oh, I know. I know what the lyrics say, but it's like my Starbucks lover part of the you know, song. <laughs> Great reference, by the way. Taking us back to track two, Blank Space, 1989. I love that. Absolutely. Um, uh, by the way, on the Swift Boys podcast, they were talking about the song Cruel Summer. And one of the speakers said that he thinks the lyric, he looks up grinning like a devil, is about Tom Hiddleston who Taylor had a fling with because when you think about him as Loki in the Marvel movies, you could see him having this sort of sinister type of smile. He looks up grinning like a devil. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't agree. You don't agree with that. I don't. I think it's just a general line about maybe, you know, maybe it's about Joe Alwyn that she's, you know, her, her boyfriend now, but I don't even think it's about that. I think it's just a line in general about a guy, you know, looking like that because I I could just picture it in my head. Like Mm -hmm. when she talks about, I don't think it's about any, particular person but if it is i definitely don't think it's about tom hiddleston because of that i see that's okay. that's a reach that's a reach okay i could see that i could see that uh, i want to get your thoughts on what may be my favorite song on the album it's certainly one of my favorites and that's track seven miss americana and the heartbreak prince yep so uh what do you think tell us about it uh, so that's Definitely one of my favorites, too. I told you when, when we first uh, got the album that I love that song. Mm-hmm. I know it's supposed to be a political song, and it has a political edge to it. But when I listen to it, I don't listen to it that way. I just listen to it for the song. And if you actually, you know, it's about high school, and they have, like, chants for cheerleaders and things. To me, it's like a teen movie set to music when you listen to the story and uh, everything that happens in there. I, I really... I think that song's great. I love the way she incorporates these high school cheerleading chants into the song mm-hmm. um, and then plays the lyrics off of that as well. So to me, I, I, I think that's, if it's not my favorite because I love Cruel Summer, it's definitely number two or three for me. I love this song. Uh, I do love the way she incorporates the sort of the high school themed lyrics into the song. And definitely when you listen to it, you can see the larger political overtone she's singing about. But even if you don't know that's what she's alluding to, it works perfectly on its own. As I said to you, I think shortly after hearing this first, the, the album for the first time, there's a couple of tracks on this album that would make the soundtrack to the greatest teen movie ever made. And yes. to me, this is one of them. And I, again, I have the lyrics open here on my phone. And this to me shows Taylor Swift's genius. In the part of the song where you have these cheerleaders emphasizing the words win, go, and fight. Mm-hmm. She sings several times, I don't really want to, and the cheerleaders say fight, because nobody's going to win, the cheerleaders say. Right. I just thought you should know. 
And then in the end, the last time she goes through that, and again, I guess this is in the bridge of the song, uh, it's, she changes it up a little where she says, and I'll le- never let you go because I know this is a fight that someday we're going to win. She just makes these subtle lyric changes that work so well while still using the same three key words that the cheerleaders are singing throughout the song. I mean, that's, that's not your regular songwriting that you see nowadays. It's just way beyond that. So I think I, it's great. And I, and I really like the song that leads into that, which is I think he knows. Okay, and yeah. to me, that's like a great pop song. I actually think that might be a better like pure pop song than Cruel Summer even. Wow, because that's the, a bold statement. Because of the way it starts and then goes with the electro pop in the middle of the song and then continues through the whole thing. I just, I love that song. And then it goes right into Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince, which is more of a, I don't want to say it's a slow song because it's not, mm-hmm. but it's a slower song. Which is sandwiched it's more of a dramatic people. song, I think, is the way. More that. of a dramatic song, yeah. and then it goes right back into another song called "Paper Rings," which right. is more of like a rock type song. So it, I, I just I like the way that goes from uh, the track six, seven, and eight right there. I love the song "Paper Rings." It kind of has this, I don't want to say punk rock feel because that's not entirely accurate, but this no, it does punky type sound. And then one of the things I love about that song is towards the end, the instruments sort of quiet down, and she goes into the chorus. And you hear just this guitar, electric guitar kick into the background. It's just so good. It's a great song. The way it transitions. You look at the order of the tracks. I forgot that you existed as a good pop song. Cruel Summer, Lover, which was her final single before the album was officially released. Uh, The Man, which is getting a lot of attention. Then you get The Archer. I think he knows. Into Miss Americana, Into Paper Rings. I mean, those are, it's definitely a step up from a lot of other albums out there. I'll tell you that. I want to talk to you about... Oh, no question about it. I want to talk to you about the song Cornelia Street. Okay. And I want to ask you about this song because it's getting a lot of attention. When this album was released, people were raving about this song. And I like the song. Uh, I like... I think I mentioned this to you the other day. I like the lyrics of the song more than the melody. A lot of people are speculating who it could be about. It could be about her friendship with Carly Kloss. I don't really know. To be honest with you, I don't really care that much about who the songs either. are about. I don't either. I don't speculate about any of these songs. I, I just don't like care. the songs for what they are. But what, uh, I want to know your thoughts about this song because people seem to really love it. So I, I actually, when I first heard it, I didn't like it. I didn't listen to it really. I was more, I mean, I listened to it, but it was more of a, all right, that's going to be a skip. Mm-hmm. Then I listened to it probably about 100 more times. And I do like this song a lot. I like, I like the music. I like the lyrics. It's a good song. I don't think it's anywhere near her best song. If you, there was a article by Rob Sheffield in Rolling Stone claiming that it was the best song she's ever written. Hmm. I don't see it. I don't see um, it. I love you, I, Rob, I but I don't it. see that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it to me. It's not. I mean, you know, you have all too. How could you put that up against all too well or something like that? It's not. It doesn't work for me. But I really like this song. It's a nice little story, and and the lyrics are good. But uh, and I can picture her in my head, you know, walking down Cornelia Street and. Um, where she used to rent a house, which is where that comes from in New York City. Mm-hmm. But it's good. It's not great. It's good. I like Miss Americana better. I, I agree, too. I, I like it much more. I was listening to Volume on Sirius XM, and they had the Rolling Stone group talking about this album, and Rob Sheffield was on there. And he was saying that in real life, Cornelia Street is actually a difficult street to navigate. It's not this great street. Have you ever right. been to Cornelia Street? Uh, no, I have. Not that I know of. I mean, I might have been around it, but I don't think so. Where is it? Is it the village? It's in the yeah. It's down uh, Lower East Side, I believe. Interesting. I, I want to talk about a song which is one of my favorite songs on the album, and a lot of people don't seem to mention this, but I, I really do love it. It's called "Death by a Thousand Cuts." Great I song. Actually, was out to I didn't tell you this, Joe. I was out to a business lunch the other day, and one of the people at the table mentioned the phrase "Death by a Thousand Cuts." Not about the song, just in an unrelated way. And of course, I completely froze and thought to myself, "Do I drop?" I mentioned about the fact that that's the name of a song on the Taylor Swift album, and I chose not to, but I thought to myself, what a great song that is. Now, I think it was maybe the day Lover came out or the day after. I said to you that the opening of this song with the vocal harmonies, it sounded like a Christmas song almost. Yep. And I definitely still see that. Uh, What I really love about this song is a part of the melody, actually. I mean, the lyrics are great. Taylor's, of course, a great lyricist, but I love the way the music goes I'm going to sing that because I don't want to play this song. Um, I get drunk, but it's not enough because the morning comes and you're not my baby. Like the way Mm -hmm. she raises her voice when she says, not my baby. She sounds so good on that part. 
And she's improved as a vocalist, too. A lot of people don't talk about that enough, I think. Her vocal skills have improved so much from her debut album until now. It's really remarkable. But I just love that melodic twist to the song. And it's a, it's a melody she revisits a couple of times in the song. Yes, I agree with you. That is a great song. First of all, I just looked up Cornelia Street. It is in the villages, not the Lower East Side. Okay. Um, it's actually right by Washington Square Park. And I'm looking at it on Google Street View right now, and it does not look like <laughs> where Elizabeth difficult. Warren is still taking selfies. <laughs> <laughs> it does not look like a difficult street to navigate. So let's just leave it at that. It's a very small street. I may have misheard um, Rob. Then maybe he didn't say it was difficult to navigate, but he was saying it's not a great street or something like that. No, it's not. I mean, if you look at it on Google Street View, you're like, "This is the street." She wrote a whole song about it. <laughs> but "Death by a Thousand Cuts," I, I agree with you. It's a great song. The way she sings, and yes, her vocals have definitely improved. And I don't know if that's electronics. Um, you know, auto tune or anything. I don't think so. But going back to some something like Fearless versus now Death by a Thousand Cuts, if we're talking about that song, yes. it, it's night and day. It's totally different. And she's a much better singer now. I will say I love the song. I think it sounds like a Christmas song still, because in the beginning where she where the choir or whatever you want to call it is mm-hmm. going bye, 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 bye. And they're doing that whole melody. Um, in the very beginning to me that sounds like you're starting almost like a christmas song so i still think that now what you know that doesn't even matter to me but it's just cool now the song is great i love the way she sings it um of course as you can tell there's not many songs i don't like on the album but this is another one to me that i listen to i don't skip it and a lot of people i was reading reviews about the album and they do skip it a lot and that's Mm. a mistake i agree that's a mistake and joe you mentioned the use of the choir in the song A song on the album in which Taylor does use a choir uh, is a song called It's Nice to Have a Friend. It's the next to last song on the album. And uh, she actually sampled a Toronto choir from the Toronto's Regent Park School of Music, which I thought was very cool. That's awesome. Uh, This is another song that to me would make the great part of a soundtrack of a wonderful teen movie like you'd see on Netflix nowadays. Totally. Uh, I, I love this song. This to me is maybe top five on the album. It's kind of haunting in a way. Like you could see it. You know, music is cinematic and we listen to music and we kind of picture the lyrics coming to life. And I could easily see this. Like when I hear this song, I think of, I actually think of fall or winter and two friends walking home from school. This is what she sings about in the song. This isn't just some kind of Well, that's what it's thing. supposed to be. Right. That's, that's what, what it's supposed, supposed to be. be. Like. I, I love the song. I love the melody. I love the choir. That's to me the haunting element. I can't even imitate the, sa- the, the music that they make. What do you think about It's Nice to Have a Friend? I really like It's Nice to Have a Friend. I, I I think it's an odd song for the album because when I listen to it, it it's a fun little song and it does tell a, a story. It would be perfect in a teen movie. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't it does tell the story, but then it just kind of it just kind of stops at the end. Nothing happens. Like th- it feels to me like there's a shit there's a build up to something that doesn't happen. I see that. Um but I really like it. Be- it's just very chill. It's a it's a perfect song for this position on the album which is the second to last song i agree it it probably would not work as well in the first half of the album right it's nothing like a song such as cruel summer which is a heavier song and more dynamic on the instruments and on the vocals well if you look at the track list of the album the first uh, putting aside the the number the single me Mm -hmm. the first i would say first eight songs which starts with uh i forgot you existed and then ends with paper rings are all upbeat more pop songs okay Mm -hmm. and then there's miss americana in there as well but if you look at the man lover is even more of a pop song now because it's a single cruel summer the archer okay that's a slower song Mm -hmm. but looking at the second half of the album you have um death by a thousand cuts then it goes into London Boy, but then soon you'll get better, which is a very slow and sad song. Then False Guy, which is slower. Afterglow is in there, Daylight. To me, it's a much quieter half of the album. Agreed. And there's 18 songs on the album, so it's really like two albums there. It definitely is more of a chill part of the album. Right. I hadn't thought about that until you mentioned it, but now that you say it like that, it's definitely true. I actually, I, I was wondering, of course I think about this when I'm should be working or whatever but i was wondering why me is at the end of the album it shouldn't be there to me it doesn't fit it doesn't the fit. way the track list goes it doesn't fit even a song like you need to calm down is kind of jarring when you hear it kick in after the song false god you don't expect it almost in a way i agree if it's just a little bit more of a pop song where 
False God and into Afterglow would have been better, to my, in my opinion. Joe, uh, one song which you and I will forever disagree on is London Boy. I hate London Boy, Scott. It's my least favorite song on the album, and it, it was since I got the album. It was since I listened to the album at 12.01 on you know Thursday morning or Friday morning. That was one uh, of the first texts you sent me about the album. I hate London Boy. <laughs> And I still hate London Boy. I, it's a skip for me. I just can't get into it. All right. So what do you hate about it? it it's not even anything I, I could put words on. I just, I don't like the song. I don't like the music. I hate the lyrics. And it, it, just the fact that she's singing about this London boy, of course, her boyfriend, Joe Alwyn, it's, it, it just doesn't, I don't know. I don't have any connection to it. And I just, I don't like the way it sounds. It's just not a song I like. So when now, I, first I will heard, say, I, yeah. I, I, I want to see her do it in concert if she ever comes on tour to see how she changes it to, to make it you know, good for the stage. But it's just I hate it. Well, speaking of that, Joe, when you were away in Italy, she did release performances that she did for BBC Radio One uh, with her band. And one of those songs was actually London Boy done with traditional instruments. There was guitar, drums and all that stuff. Right. And like you, when I first heard London Boy, I didn't really like it. I thought it wasn't good. There's always the test I go through. Okay, if somebody other than Taylor was singing the song, would I like it? And initially that answer was no. Not even a great singer like Ariana Grande. I wouldn't be a fan of it if she if London Boy was her song. But mm-hmm. when I heard it done this way with the instruments, it made me sort of appreciate the melody a little more. I definitely liked it way more than the way it sounds on the Lover album. Uh, and the song has grown on me, and I kind of like the way... It's like it goes. I love my London boy, boy. Like I love that part. That's I don't know. It's really grown on me. I hate the song. I, I really don't like it at all. It, it honestly, I like me a thousand times better than London Ooh. boy. Thousand. I don't know. <laughs> all right. No, no, no. Look, that's that's we can agree to disagree, and that's the good thing because at the end of the day, it's a great album. It is a great album. I mean, it's to me, it's you know her top, definitely top three albums, maybe even top two. But London Boy should is just terrible to me. Uh, a song that is great, difficult to listen to, and uh, is the song "Soon You'll Get Better" featuring the Dixie Chicks. It's a song that Taylor wrote about her mother's battle with cancer, and uh, it's a beautiful song melodically, uh, lyrically. It's a extremely powerful song it is difficult to listen to because her skills as a lyricist make that experience become so vivid for the listener uh but it needs to be recognized as an amazing piece of songwriting yeah yeah, it features the the dixie chicks also which i like the way that they did this they they kind of are in the background of the song because the song is such a personal song to taylor that you know to me it wouldn't have been a good duet for example, to have someone else sing a verse on this song. Agreed. It, it, it doesn't work, but I like the way they, they harmonize in the background and, and um, just kind of give the song a little bit something more. But it is an incredibly sad song, and it yes. is hard to listen to. It, it definitely is. Uh, the song False God, which follows Soon You'll Get Better, is another slow song, very much of an R&B feel, kind of even has like a 90s R&B feel. I don't know if you've noticed that. Now that you've said that, I can see that, though. Yeah, uh, and I like the use of the saxophone, which doesn't sound like a saxophone normally sounds like. The saxophone is great. I mean, yes. it makes the song. It does make the song. Without the saxophone, it wouldn't be as good. And and False God is a great song. I love it. Uh, it's um, a tremendous song. It's one of my favorites on the album. I think Sean Mendez said it was one of his favorites too. Yeah, well, if you see Taylor's Instagram, she puts up posts from Sean Mendez, who's just constantly listening to the song. There was one the other day where it was it was like a repost of him saying how much you love false god mm-hmm. it was uh, it was great um false god is a great song that's a very sexy song and yes you know taylor's almost 30 so it's, she's growing up people don't want don't like to think about that i don't think but it's a very sexy song the saxophone makes it even more sexy and it's uh it's perfect for the song i agree uh joe i wanted to uh, just get your thoughts on a couple of other tracks uh, the opening track, I forgot that you existed. Uh, I, I do love this song. It's kind of fun. It's poppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like her vocals on it. Uh, anything that stands out for you about that song? Not really. I mean, it's a good song. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good first song for the album because it kind of like puts, I don't really know who she's talking about in there, if it's just talking about Kanye West or somebody else, but it kind of puts the reputation issue or, or era kind of to rest because 
that reputation era was all about people talking bad about her and you know making her feel like down and all that and then now she's forgotten they existed and she's going to start this new this new era of lover i think that's a good first song for the album it's a good song nothing nothing great about it to me i like it this song is about half my twitter followers <laughs> so I talk to them once so, and then I <laughs> all six people I'm, I'm, I'm at over uh, two two thousand something yeah uh, anyhow anyway. I want to give you credit also for your musical insight when we the song lover first came out what did you say to me that night it reminded me of fade into you by Mazzy Starr which was a singer from the 90s yes. or might have been late uh, early 2000s on I honestly I think it was the 90s though we were in high school back then um it reminded me of that song so much that it's not a ripoff of the song. So don't, you know, it's not like a perfect redo or anything. But the music, the way she sings on Lover, reminds me of Fade Into You by Mazzy Starr immediately. It was right away. And you mentioned that to me. And then every commentary I read about that song, Lover, mentioned that. Interesting. I don't know if this is related. It has to be. But if you ever listen to lithium on sirius xm channel yeah. 34 they play mazzy star fade into you all the time now interesting i, I, I can't that's a tie i can't imagine it's not related people must have looked into mazzy star and listened to that song a lot so then they it probably went up in some algorithm that they use mm-hmm. it's on all the time so i think it has a lot to do with this uh, joe there, there's a couple of other tracks on the album i don't you know we don't want to go through every track but but those are definitely some highlights any other songs that we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention tonight no, I will say that there's a song called Afterglow. I don't think it gets enough love. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Uh, it's definitely not a song that I skip. So if anyone's listening and they haven't listened to Afterglow, which is probably half of you, I would recommend it. And I don't want to go through every track either. I just want to say I, I love the album. Yes. It, if it's not number one, it's not number one. I, I think Red might still be number one, but it's probably number two or three. Definitely top three for me for Taylor Swift. So I agree with you on that. And I actually, in my mind, was comparing it to Red as well because to me there's certain similarities between the variety of songs on the albums red does have a couple of taylor songs that i really am not a fan of those would be the last time yeah sad beautiful tragic okay i don't like both of those songs i also am not a huge fan of the lucky one i like the lucky one but i don't you know it's nothing i need to listen to i mean i know you don't like london boy and we both are not crazy about me but there's no songs on this album that I personally dislike. There's no songs where I say, oh, I don't like that track. So right. this, this may be my number one Taylor Swift album, but I'm not there yet. I am, I am not there. I don't think you're crazy for saying that. I mean, it's interesting to me, this album, because it feels like it's a lot like Red. It almost feels like if it skips over 1989 to mm-hmm. me and that it didn't even count even though it was produced by Jack Antonoff for the, almost every track, which is also, he also produced some tracks on her other albums. I, but to me, it feels like a successor to Red, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Uh, so Joe, I would say it's probably good. my number two my number two album for her. With Red being your favorite. Red, my favorite. Maybe probably Reputation following that. And then 1989? And or then... Speak Now? No, then Speak Now, then 1989, then Fearless. But they're all good, so it doesn't, you know, it's not like... Just by putting it at the bottom, for example, it's not saying it's a bad album. Can we both agree that her first album, self-titled Taylor Swift, is our least favorite Taylor Swift full-length album? I agree with that. But still that great. being said, it's still a good album. <laughs> Joe, the last Taylor Swift question I wanted to ask you uh, for tonight's show, it, it deals with the format in which you're listening to the Lover album. The day it came out, we each got one of the deluxe versions, which was available exclusively at Target. There were four deluxe editions available there. Uh, and we, of course, have access to the song through streaming music services. I, I can tell you from me personally, I did look at the book that came with the deluxe edition. Mm-hmm. I have not even listened yet to the CD version. Every time I've listened to the album, it's always been via, for me, it's Apple Music. Have you actually listened to the CD version, or have you only streamed it? I did listen to the CD. I, I wanted to see if it sounded any different from the CD versus the streaming version. Yes. It's barely anything different. I'm, it, to me, it doesn't make it di- I think the CD is a little bit louder. Could, could see that, sure. So if you, so I put it on in my car, and it does come out a little bit louder. But other than that, I've listened almost ex- almost exclusively to the streaming versions. Mm-hmm. But I just, I did want to see that uh, if the CD was any different. What other music have you been listening to lately outside of Taylor Swift? Not too much. I've, 
I've been listening to a lot of blues. There's a there's a blues guitarist out there right now called Christoph Kingfish. Mm-hmm. He is amazing. One of the, he's 20 years old. He's a blues guitarist. I think he's out of Louisiana or somewhere around there. And I saw him the other day at a concert in um, Stanhope, New Jersey, in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. He was it was one of the greatest things concerts I've ever seen. He's awesome. I highly recommend you look at it, look into that. And then it's other Christoph than that, I, Kingfish, you said? Yes, Kingfish Ingram. One of the greatest guitarists I've ever seen. Yep, I'm looking him up here. I see him on uh, Apple Music. His most recent album came out just May of this year. Yeah, so that's actually his only album that he's put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his first and so far only. And But I did see him. I discovered him on Luke Cage, the Netflix show. He was uh, playing. They, they were featuring him in one of the episodes where he was playing at a club. And as soon as I heard it, I said, I got to see who that is. I turned to my wife who I was watching with, and she loved him too. And... Now that the album's come out, he's getting a little bit more play. He's just an awesome blues guitarist. I highly recommend anyone look at that. I've added it to my music library. I'm going to listen tomorrow. And I see here that on his album, he duets with Buddy Guy and Keb Moe. Very impressive. Yes, very impressive. But I was blown away when I saw him in concert. Um, other than that, the late the music I've been listening to lately is kind of alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the new alternative stuff that's out. There's a great song that i actually really like right now called dance monkey by a band called tones and i Mm -hmm. uh, which is a fun song that i've been listening to um that's you know just the usual other stuff other than that the same stuff i've been listening to forever mostly it's taylor swift yeah it's uh well those are great choices uh for me i'm very excited this coming friday uh, is the release of the 50th anniversary super deluxe edition of the beatles abbey road which Mm. is getting a lot of attention so i'm excited for that uh and uh it's really, I've been listening a lot to Sirius XM. Yeah, that's what I listen to all the time. You know, the, the whole variety of stations on there. Is that where you discover a lot of the new music that you listen to? It is, but I actually discover a lot of the new music on uh, Amazon Music because they mm-hmm. have these playlists that are constantly updated with new songs. Right. So I, I get a lot of music there because I just, I put the playlist on when I'm at work or whatever and see if what comes up. And if I like it, I make a note of it. Like the Tones and I song, I really like it. Um, well, this was a great discussion, Joe. I love talking about this album with you. Oh, the only thing I, I want to add, Scott. Yes. I, I don't know if you're a fan of them, but Tool, the band Tool, has a new album out. Right. Honestly, it's like um, the last 15 years never happened. It's a great album if you're a fan of Tool. So okay. I've been listening to that as well. Each song is about 15 minutes long, though. So you have to, it's an investment. You're in it time. for the long haul, but that's okay. Tool is a legendary band. I think, did they actually knock Taylor off the number one spot? They did, actually. Right. Her fans uh, are not happy about to, that. I got into an argument about this at work the other day because. People were making fun of me because Tool knocked Taylor off number one and that I would listen to Taylor Swift. And I said, I also listen to the Tool album. So, <laughs> and they were just they were blown away and they couldn't believe that I was doing that. That's a way to put them in their place. Uh, so, Joe, we're now going to turn to our very popular Stuff We Love segment. This is the part of the show where the hosts tell you a little bit about something they're enjoying right now. It could be a product, an app, a song. We've given you actually some good Stuff We Love recommendations already tonight in the music discussion, but we got some more for you right now. Uh, Joe, let's start off with you. What is something you love? Sure. So something I love this uh, episode, since it's been a while, is uh, something called the Rocketbook Everlast Notebook. Mm -hmm. This is a, I guess I'll call it an e-notebook. And when I say notebook, I mean an actual book you write in. It's an electronic thing. It uses a special pen, which is from Pilot, so you can get them anywhere at Staples or wherever you go. You write in the notebook, you use an app to take a picture of it, and then it emails your note, your picture or your notes any to one of seven places. It can go to Outlook, it can go to um, email, it can go to a PDF, and then you wipe off the notebook and it's like it never happens and you can reuse it. It's, a, uh, it's actually very cool. I recommend it. That's amazing because I've heard about these. And I, you use it often? Uh, I use it a lot. I use it for work a lot. And this is the same company. You might have heard of this other notebook they have where you put in the microwave and it erases it. Yes, I've heard about that. Same company, but this is a little bit different. This is you when you use the app, you take a picture of it. There's a QR code on each mm-hmm. uh, page and it sends it to, you know, anywhere you want it to go, really, if you're going to use it for office things. Uh, there's programs to convert it to text, your handwriting to text, but mostly it's just a searchable handwriting a notebook for you. So I only use like five pages in a notebook and then you just write, you wipe it off and then you could use it again for another client or another, um, 
I don't know, project that you're using it for. It's, it's very cool. That's pretty remarkable. That's use of great technology, but in a way that doesn't erase something physical because you're still writing in the notebook for the first time. Right. Well, a large part of my job is writing things when I'm meeting with people. Right. Um, so I actually still need that. It's, and I don't like doing a, using a computer for that. So I, I'd rather have the notebook. This actually kind of does both. Now it converts it to a computer uh, format for me, which is, I thought I would never use it, but I, I like it. Great recommendation, Joe. Thank you for that. I'm definitely going to look into yeah. that for myself. Yeah. It's called the rocket book everlast available on Amazon available on Amazon. Very good. Uh, so tonight for my stuff, we love recommendations. I just have two quick ones. Both of them are podcasts. The first is a podcast called Butter and Bacon, The Good Stuff of Disney. Uh, this is a podcast that I actually was on pretty recently. I gave a trip report from my August 2019 summer trip to Walt Disney World and the Orlando area. I love this podcast. First off, the three hosts are friends of mine, Paul, Dean, and Amy. I've met them through Twitter, and it's a perfect example about how people you meet in social media places can become friends in real life. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have so much in common, whether it be our love of the theme parks to the, our love of sports. And uh, it's just a great show because what they do on that podcast is talk about all things Disney, the good stuff of Disney, as the title right. implies. And I find that I learn a lot listening to the show about Disney things that I was not aware of. And listening to it also enhances my appreciation for the things that I already know. Uh, and the other Stuff We Love recommendation is a podcast hosted by this guy named Aaron Wallace, who I've been listening to for years He just kind of rebranded his podcast. It's now called On Main Street with Alan Wallace. They just released their first episode. I listened to it earlier today. And on this podcast, he gets into a lot of the history of the Walt Disney Company with a particular focus a lot of the times on the music of the Disney Company over the years. that's cool. I'll listen to that. He's very good. Um, He's got a great presence on the podcast. uh, And I I just, uh, he's also an author. He's written several books related to the theme parks. I really uh, like everything he's done and contributed to the theme park community. So those are my stuff. We love recommendations. That's butter and bacon, the good stuff of Disney and on main street with Aaron Wallace and Joe's was the rocket book everlast notebook. And we will link to that in the show notes. We'll link to all three of those. Absolutely. So thank you so much everyone for tuning into this new episode. Uh, Once again, we'd like to thank auto slash our sponsor, visit them at www.autoslash.com to learn how you can save money on your next car rental. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. We're at Stuff We Love Pod. On Instagram, we're Stuff We Love Podcast. We have a Facebook page, which we encourage you to go and like. Our website is www.stuffwelovepodcast.com. There you can get links to our previous episodes, learn about the hosts, and get links to products that the hosts recommend. You can write to us, stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. And please continue to leave us those good five-star reviews on iTunes. The podcast is doing better than it's ever done before. Our listenership is growing. Our social media followers are growing, and we want to keep up the momentum. When you leave good reviews on iTunes, it makes it easier for others to find the show. Uh, so, Joe, uh, happy fall 2019. You too, Scott. It's, uh, I'm looking you. forward to it. It's going to be great. Uh, thank you again, everyone. Happy fall to you as well. I am Scott. I'm Joe. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast. <laughs>